What is it that's so special about the borders between wakefulness and sleep? There's something about dreams and dreaming that's just so evocative. Where do you go when your imagination takes you? What kind of knowledge, feeling, intuition, and understanding can you find when you go looking for it in the darker places of yourself? The places you go when you lose your train of thought. The places you go when you get it back on track. The place where your memories, ideas, intuitions, and understandings all co-mingle together into a massive soup of intense feeling and knowing and being. While I am just saying a bunch of weird stuff to get your attention, I'm also actually speaking to a really interesting part of the mind. Something some people might call the unconscious mind. Others might call it a shift in hemispheric dominance. Some people would call it meditative or dreamlike, hypnagogic, psychedelic vaguely even states. Me, for the broad purposes of putting a label on things, I'm going to be talking about it from my background in neurofeedback and EEG work, electroencephalogram, measuring the electrical activity coming off of the brain. I would call it a, a theta wave state, theta activity state, or I, I'm partial to the idea of a hypnogogic state as well. Hypnosis is another way that you can kind of access this level of consciousness in the mind. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today, the power of these deep states, these theta states, these meditative, dreamlike places where we can access deeper parts of our consciousness and ourselves and sometimes have really powerful and profound effects on things like our memory, our emotional processing, and our well-being overall, and most importantly, activation of the relaxation and parasympathetic nervous system. So here we go. Theta waves and the hypnagogic state. Yeah, I'm resilient. Won't get caught up in my woes. I just do it for those ten tiny fingers and toes. Woo, all right, let's get a little weird tonight. Uh, one of the very first things I learned about when I started on my journey of wellness and well-being, I actually ended up studying hypnosis. A friend of mine showed me some kind of really interesting videos of a guy doing hypnosis demonstrations, not for like stage hypnosis, what you might think of where people, you know, were kind of encouraged to engage in silly acts uh, under the guise of being hypnotized. I'll talk a little bit that, about that a little bit more later. But no, he was using it as a wellness tool, as a, a mental health technique. He was sort of taking people through these mental exercises, getting them to imagine various scenarios, getting them to imagine their feelings and their thoughts sort of metaphorically in different and unusual ways. He was getting them to relax, getting them to go into what he would call a trance state. We'll get into that uh, as well. But it was really interesting. People really came out of this experience feeling like they'd, they'd gotten a lot of value and kind of deeper understanding of themselves. And they felt a positive shift in their emotion that they had really struggled to get any other way. You know, some of these people had been to therapy for years and, and hadn't necessarily made a lot of progress. And, and this gentleman was able to, to make a really positive shift for them in a very short amount of time. And so that's just one of the many benefits of this sort of state that I'm talking about, this hypnagogic, this relaxation, this deep uh, guided imagery meditative state. Um, 
I am not really a neuroscientist, so you know what I'm about to say is more of a, a helpful idea, a helpful way of characterizing brain activity more so than it is probably a hundred percent true or exact understanding of how the brain works. But these sort of states, this sort of partial state between waking and dreaming, uh, can sometimes be referred to as a theta wave state. Theta waves, uh, if you've seen some of my previous episodes on mastering the brain's electrical rhythms, uh, theta waves occur at some of the lower and kind of slower speeds of the brain. Above them, you have beta, which is alertness, then you have alpha, which is kind of resting, but ready to continue working, um, a sort of very connected and relaxed state. And then below that, as the brain really starts to slow down and shift into a resting mode, you have theta wave activity and theta waves are associated broadly with a lot of different things you know they're associated with things like memory retrieval integration of memories um, integration and uh, noticing of emotional responses coordination of large networks and areas of the brain um, states of deep relaxation peace deep meditation and dreaming and sleep at least some parts of sleep and this part of the mind, this part of the brain that theta waves kind of represent, it really is a, a strange and unusual place. You know, you think about all the weird stuff that happens to you in dreams. It's it's just a weird place. There's a lot of unusual and, and kind of sort of dark, but also beautiful things going on in there. It's also a space of creativity. You know, a lot of famous scientists, for example, will attribute their discoveries or incredible ideas that they've come up with to being in sort of a, a dream-like or a daydream type state. I think uh, Albert Einstein came up partially with the theory of relativity because he imagined himself riding on top of a beam of light through space. I think the uh, benzene ring, a really important discovery in chemistry, came to uh, the gentleman who discovered it because he was imagining a snake biting its own tail while he was half asleep. In a more extreme example, and a more intense way to kind of access some of these states can also be done, say, with uh, psychedelic drugs. Um, for example, the discovery of the double helix DNA structure, another really important scientific discovery, was initially deduced by a gentleman who was on LSD, acid. So when you take the brain and the mind and you sort of get this conscious, thinky, egotistical part of ourselves out of the way and you get people really relaxed and really at ease and really into their imagination, you can really help them to see things in a, a very new way. The brain and the mind can make fascinating new connections that it might not otherwise come up with because your consciousness is getting in the way. People can generate new insights about their emotions. They can integrate memories that were once sort of playing over and over in their head and allow them to come to a level of peace within themselves where they sort of resolve and they don't come into your daily life and bother you and influence your behavior and make you unhappy anymore. And interestingly enough, people can also sometimes manifest very powerful hallucinations or intense experiences that seem deeply real. Sometimes people can actually gain intense control over otherwise unconscious or out-of-control biological processes. This brings me to one of my previous points, uh, hypnosis. I'm going to tell you right now, ready? The secret to hypnotizing someone doesn't have anything to do with mind control. You can't really control people's minds with hypnosis. That's a myth. 
what it has to do is if you really want to hypnotize somebody, they will do a hypnotist will do two things to you. They will ask you to relax and they will ask you to imagine stuff. And, you know, there's hundreds of different special scripts and techniques on how to help make hypnosis more effective and help relax and ease people into this hypnagogic, this relaxed dreamlike state. But really all you need to do is just find a way to relax and find a way to imagine something vividly. And if you repeatedly get people relaxing and imagining, eventually they will reach a point where they enter into a state that is somewhat like a dream. And just like a dream, some things become much more vivid and real when you imagine them. So people can sometimes really experience their imagination as, as very, very real and very intense. And that's, that's sort of where stage hypnosis comes in. They, they screen for people who are willing to, A, you know, be a little kooky on stage and do wild stuff. But then B, they look for people who have very vivid imaginations. And if you can get those people vividly imagining on stage who are willing to act out a little bit, you know, you get some really funny results when you give them suggestions like you're a chicken now. But really, that's that's so unimportant, and it glosses over the true value of these states, which is that you have sort of a gateway or a pathway to the unconscious parts of yourself, the parts of you that are scared, the parts of you that dream, the parts of you that come up with great ideas, the parts of you that love deeply, live life freely. And not only that, but because you're entering into a relaxed state, you're going to switch on the parasympathetic nervous system, the rest and digest system, the relaxation response. This is something I've talked about over and over again, and this is actually an area of psychology that's that's very well researched and very established as a clinical technique. Some people would call a lot of the things I've just described uh, under another name. You can refer to it as guided imagery. So even, you know, just having people imagine, say, going to a cottage or going to the beach and sitting by the beach and, you know, digging their toes into the sand and looking up into the sun and staring off into the distance and looking at the clouds and the water coming in, even that's profoundly relaxing and, and healing. And there have been demonstrated psychological health benefits simply from practicing entering into these relaxed hypnagogic states. Some people have even likened it to almost a unique form of not quite sleep, but rest, power resting if you will, because you're really slowing the brain down and, and almost shifting into a, a calmer, more relaxed, more at ease metabolic state. Um, in my opinion, the brain actually has a chance to kind of recuperate some resources and almost like this is metaphorical, but it, it, sometimes it almost seems like it kind of clears out its its RAM. You know, it's almost like people sort of accumulate all this all this crap from their day and, and from their life and all these you know, uh, accumulated emotional experiences and life experiences kind of get carried around. And you have to sort of enter into a dream every once in a while to clean it out. You know, like if you're going through a lot of stress, a lot of times your your dreams will become also more stressful. Or sometimes even, you know, you'll, uh, if you, for example, you've been driving a car for a long time and you go to bed at night, you close your eyes and you'll see the highway, oh, like in front of your vision for a little while, something like that. I used to mow lawns uh, when I was a teen for a while. And uh, some nights I would close my eyes and start, you know, drifting off to sleep and I would just see a lawnmower in front of me like I'm walking along. And so I think dreams in a way like they kind of have this way of kind of clearing out the stuff from our day, the stuff from our lives and allowing 
shifts to take place, allowing integrations, allowing the these things to sort of move from our, our short-term memory and, and be consolidated into our long-term memory and, and not get to us as much anymore. Not only that, but if you get sort of practiced at this, um, you can almost leverage your imagination to help you do things. You can learn to approach your emotions not from the perspective of how you think about them or what they should do for you or should or shouldn't be, but instead you can kind of approach them with this metaphorical, playful quality that allows you to interact with them and shift them around. I'll, I'll maybe share a little demonstration of that shortly. But once you sort of get more in tune with this deeper part of your mind, you can actually learn a lot about yourself and you can learn a lot of really interesting ways to just sort of help yourself out, approach problems in new and unique ways. It honestly just feels really good, really peaceful, really recuperating to enter into these states. You know, I'm, I'm currently doing a, a practicum now where I'm doing therapy and counseling with people. And I've been teaching many of my clients how to relax themselves down into these hypnogogic states and just kind of stay there as a way to rest, get something back, heal yourself up a little bit. And they really seem to appreciate it. Everybody that I do it with, you know, you can just see some of the tension leave their face, the tension leave their shoulders. They sort of come out of these states just uh, like a little more at peace. One of the ways I really discovered this and, and really started to value it was because of my background in neurofeedback training and using the EEG to shift brain states for people. Um, there's a specific training protocol called alpha theta training. And essentially you're trying to reduce the amount of alpha wave activity in the brain and enhance the amount of theta wave activity in the brain, helping to transition people from uh, an awake but relaxed state in alpha into a more deeply relaxed and hypnagogic state, enhancing theta wave activity. Theta waves are actually larger uh, in size than alpha waves. And Basically, the larger in size a brainwave gets, the more power that it generates, the more areas of the brain have to be involved, coordinated, you know, playing at exactly the same rate to generate that strength of wave. And so uh, I've used before the idea of a, an orchestra, an orchestra metaphor, where the instruments of your mind, all the different networks and, and parts of your brain have to sequence up together and play along to the same beat in order to, to share and spread information. And that helps to promote sort of smoothness of thinking mental health theta is one of these brain waves that actually sort of reaches out and connects broad areas broad networks of the brain together so the more that you can promote theta wave activity the more you can actually help your brain to slow down relax recuperate but also connect things up and that's where you get these sort of interesting shifts in thinking and, and new ideas that can come to you because your brain is actually becoming sort of more pliable and open and willing to change itself, come up with new ideas, connect things up that maybe weren't so connected before. So I would hook myself up to this machine. I would stick a little electrode just on the back of my head, a single one, and it would measure the activity coming off of my brain. And I would put a set of headphones on my head and it would play music. And every time my brain produced more theta and less alpha, the music would get louder. And every time my brain produced uh, less theta and more alpha, it would get quieter. And you would sit there and you would breathe and you would relax and you would try to enhance the sound of the music and thus shifting your brain state. And after a while, it just gave me this beautiful sense of peace. You know, I just, I kind of really started to drift off and, and I just sort of saw 
all kinds of very random, vaguely psychedelic kind of dreamlike imagery. Like it was just like my brain was just throwing a bunch of stuff into a pot and seeing what, what came up. And I just sort of sat there and watched it. And I was like, huh, this is, this is really cool. And it was just kind of, it was neat to just sort of sit and let my brain play out, just sort of let it chunk through some data that it was, was dealing with in, in sort of random and unusual ways. And at the same time, I started to just feel really peaceful really relaxed, really at ease. And um, I did that for about half an hour. And I remember coming out of it and just literally feeling like I'd had a great sleep. Like I was just rested. I was more at ease. I just, it felt really good. So if you can find someone that is trained in neurofeedback therapy, they may be able to do alpha theta training for you. It does cost a little bit of money. You know, it's, I think it'd probably be at least hundred to $200 a session. I don't know, depending on who you see, if it's a psychologist or how they're running their clinic. Um, but you know, you can definitely do this training if you have a little bit of money, but the other way to achieve this and the other way that I learned to achieve this is through guided imagery and self-hypnosis training. So again, really, it just comes down to two things, learning to relax and learning to vividly imagine stuff. So I really recommend to people things like just picturing yourself in a peaceful place. You know, would you go to the ocean, maybe to the mountains, to the forest, and just enjoy it, really soak it up, see the sights, feel things you would feel, dig your toes into the sand, run your hands through a tree branch and feel the leaves, the breeze on your face, the sun on your skin, really just soak it up. And as you're soaking things up, Relax your muscles one at a time. Start with your face. Relax your face. Relax your shoulders. Relax your legs. Relax your whole body top to bottom. Let yourself sink into a chair. And just keep relaxing and just keep imagining stuff. And after a while, if you really want to let it go, you can kind of just let your brain start to wander and let yourself sort of almost daydream. And just see what kind of random stuff pops up into your head. And don't try to play with it. Don't try to influence it. Just let it play out like you're watching a dream or watching a show. And just kind of get in touch with this sort of tired, relaxed, slow, peaceful feeling. I often tell people that if you really want to gain the full benefits of relaxation training, you have to marinate in relaxation. It's not enough just to sit and do a short breathing practice or a short, you know, five minute mindfulness meditation. I mean, those are great. And if that's all you can truly do, then please don't stop doing it because that will have a really important and helpful benefit to you. But people are stressed 24 seven. People are going nonstop all the time. And I just don't think five minutes is enough to actually recuperate and counteract the effects of chronic stress that are impacting pretty much everybody these days. So I would suggest really taking, if you can, 20 minutes, half an hour. I know it's a big ask, but if you're listening to this podcast, I know you are dedicated to feeling good. And I guarantee this is something that will make a big difference for you if you're willing to give it a shot. There are tons of great guided imagery meditations and self-hypnosis meditations available for free on YouTube. There are lots of great guided imagery and self-hypnosis apps that you can find out there. 
But the key is really just imagining, relaxing, peaceful, or even happy imagery, and trying to relax your body little by little and breathe calmly. And if you really relax and really let yourself marinate in this sense of peace, you might find that you can take it forward with you into your day. You might find that you have more of a buffer, more of a sense of resilience against the problems that you face, that you deal with. You might find that different ideas, different ways of thinking about or approaching your problems become available to you. You can learn to play around with some of these internal dreamlike representations that you have. For example, think of something now that makes you feel stressed out. Could be a problem that you've faced recently, something that bothered you, even a person that cut you off in traffic when you were driving home. Have you got it? All right. Now, think about where you feel it in your body. Where do you notice that stress or tension accumulating? Could you give it a color? Just imagine it almost like a smoke or an energy or an electricity flowing around in your body. And can you imagine just now for a moment that your lungs are like a vacuum? You take a deep breath and suck all that energy, all that power up into this vacuum and then blow it away and watch it float off into the distance. Feels pretty good, right? These are the kinds of things you can do. You can play with the representations that you have of things in your mind. Kids love this kind of stuff as well. Recently, I've been putting my son to bed and having him play with bubbles. I've been having him imagine blowing little bubbles and blowing them into my hand. And then we fill them with good feelings. So we fill the bubbles with smiles. And he says, you know, I asked him what color the, the smiles and good feelings were. And he said yellow. So we made the bubbles, you know, bright and yellow and happy. And then I took the bubbles and I went pop and I popped him in his tummy and he laughed popped him in his head and then you know i had him fill the bubbles with sleepy feelings i had him fill the bubbles with yawns oh and the tired feeling in your eyes and then you know i popped them on his head and pop and he he visibly like relaxed and you know he just put them in different spots on his body and he was loving it he ate it up and he asked for it the next night and now it's like a part of our bedtime routine as we blow happy bubbles and sleepy bubbles and uh yeah, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So all this to say, play around with it. Your imagination is a, is a wonderful, beautiful place. A lot of people have come up with interesting sort of imaginative ways to cope with their problems. They just don't really realize that it's something that's actually under their control. And so I would encourage you to get to know this dreamlike state, this deeper unconscious part of yourself, because you might find some really interesting, some really useful some really valuable and some really fun stuff in there. You can even do really interesting things like working with pain. I've seen, you know, practiced hypnotists have people imagine pouring a headache out of their head like a tap into an imaginary sink, you know, little by little. Or uh, when I had really bad shoulder pain, I would sort of look at my shoulder in my mind and I would take little chunks of the pain off. I would imagine it almost like a, a metal or a piece of metal stuck in there and I would kind of pluck it out and I would imagine it sort of melting away into water in my hand. And it would it would really genuinely help kind of relax that tension and that pain. So again, 
it has a lot of applications and the effects of this are very real. People can legitimately reduce the intensity of pain. You know, some people who are extremely susceptible or sort of able to enter into these hypnosis states and vividly, vividly imagine things have undergone surgery solely with, um, you know, hypnosis being the primary modality. The suggestion that they will feel no pain is enough to actually allow them to go through surgery. My dad is a, a dentist and he, you know, went to a dental college for a number of years. He attended a hypnosis demonstration. He said while he was there, one of the subjects was able to voluntarily stop themselves from bleeding. They were given a small cut by a doctor who was showing off on the stage. And the doctor asked the gentleman while he was in this relaxed hypnagogic state, you know, can you please stop the bleeding? And the gentleman was able to stop it. People are able to consciously slow down their heart rate, increase their um, gastric function. If they imagine eating, they actually release, you know, um, gastrointestinal juices in preparation for eating this food that's not actually there. Your conscious mind and your ability to imagine things has an incredible limitless power. You know, I've seen studies where they've used alpha theta training to enhance musical ability, enhance athletic ability. A lot of Olympic athletes, you know, use guided imagery and imagine themselves winning in competition and doing incredibly well at their sport. So just limitless application, so much value, so much benefit, so much mental health benefit, something that again has helped me, helped my clients so much. I would really, really encourage you to try it. It's a bit of a, it's a bit of an ask. It's a bit of a commitment, but it is so, so worth it. I hope you enjoyed this and uh, take care of yourself, dad.